call is now being recorded. Hello and welcome to V2V Podcast. Uh, this is the Continuing Survivor Series and I am Lexi. And today we're talking with Natalie, who is a survivor of Discovery Academy and Red Cliff Descent. Hi, Natalie. Hi. How's everybody Hi. doing? <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm sure doing okay. Um, so why don't you first tell me how to, how you would define TTI? Yeah. Okay. Well, TTI stands for the Troubled Teen Industry. Um, there's a lot of different businesses that are involved in this, uh, but they mostly are wilderness programs and therapeutic boarding schools, which is an acronym, TBS, <clears throat> that are out of home right. and most of the time out of state placements for kids. Um, they make a lot of claims to fix all kinds of things with kids. Um, mostly it's kids acting up, kids having drug problems. And I'm saying kids, but it's actually usually about 13 to 17-year-olds, so teenagers. Um, but they also take all other kinds of kids, too, kids with eating disorders, mental health issues, uh, kids that just don't have anywhere else to go sometimes. So it's it's just this wide network of businesses. Oh, and also I think sometimes kids from the courts and kids from the um, – foster care system. I'm not entirely that is, sure that's on that. Correct. But that is yeah. correct, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a big industry that um, I'm just surprised how big it even is in this country. Yeah, multi-billion dollar. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into TTI uh, or what, what happened where you were placed in TTI? Yeah, um, it would take so long to, to tell every detail that I could tell, but sure. um, it, I think it starts with uh, some dysfunction in your family. Um, that's yeah. what I feel happened with me. I really didn't have behavior problems as a kid when I was young, but when I became a teenager, <clears throat> Um, I was depressed, and I didn't know what depression was until I was probably 24 years old. So I just, I thought, my parents had even asked me, are you depressed? We think you have low self-esteem, and I didn't know what that meant because I thought, you know, I thought, I'm not sad. I think I look pretty, or I think I'm a good person, so I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, and as I got into my teenage years, the combination of the already angst and depression that I had probably struggled with since I was a very little kid, um, you know, you I also have a very independent personality, and I, I like adventures, uh, sure. so that... Um, I started experimenting with marijuana when I was probably 15. Uh, I didn't really fit in in Texas. I'm from Texas. Right. So that that was my thing that, um, I don't know, I guess that was just my, like, 
group of kids that I started hanging out with, the stoners, and that was the people that I related with, and I felt were accepting of me. Sure, free um, thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always gone to places, I guess, where you'd call people free thinkers, and I guess some people get offended by that term, free thinkers, that, you know, I think everyone has their own free thoughts, right? But there is sure. a certain personality that fits that type. So that is exactly Absolutely. what I'm Absolutely, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so uh, the hard part of this story, and I want to, it's hard for me to share, um, but when sure. I was 15, I experienced uh, two rapes just right a couple months within each other, and they were completely unrelated incidents. Um it was just yeah. bad luck, and I was very young, and they were very devastating, both in the, the details of both of them. Um, and I, I didn't feel like I had a, a anyone safe to tell that to. Um, sure. The, the first one I told my friends, but it, it didn't go well. So I never told my parents, and I um, as soon as these things happen, I started using harder drugs, too. Okay. Um, I, already, I was already having this, and I'd already started to be getting in trouble with my parents about the marijuana. Uh, yeah. Causing just, you know, it's just causing this thing where I'm internalizing all the shame, and, you know, I'm the bad kid, and I'm not like the other kids, and it, it's just over weed. And then as soon as this happened, it just adds to that. Um, sure. low self-esteem and what's wrong with you type feeling. So, um, it, and it was just bad timing and bad luck that I met people, right, only like a week after these things happened that were, could access um, harder drugs. So I sure. just started experimenting with that. And um, then my, my parents had a very dramatic divorce. Um, so that happened only like a couple months after the, the some there's some other issues um right at home too like uh anyway, some other stuff abuse happened with adults and so but anyway, not with my parents or my family, but so my family right. is also exploding at the same time that all this other stuff is happening to me though so it's just, yeah it's you're very in, bad. your entire your entire environment is being torn apart. Like, when you need support most and you kind of need a foundation, your entire world is kind of being torn apart at home That's anyway. Exactly. You know, you know I, I'm quite familiar with this, actually. Yeah. Our stories yeah, are quite, quite, quite identical. But, yeah, keep going. It feels good that I, you can relate. Um, yeah, so I... Um, that's what was going on. Um, my parents both remarried very quickly. It's right. Within a year of the divorce, they were both, re even like months of the divorce, they were both remarried. Mm -hmm. So that's also very unsettling, the um, power mm -hmm. relationship. And you're, now I'm 17 and um, it, it's, it, and it was a, it was a very traumatic um, separation and divorce too. It just it didn't yeah. go well. So, with all this happening, um, I uh, I had actually stopped experimenting with the the harder drugs um, after the divorce stuff happened, but 
now it's another year later, the divorce yeah. was in 2005, and we're in 2006, and I um, had a, a boyfriend my dad really didn't like, that he, he wasn't a good guy that I met in, in 2006 that um, started me back on meth, which I had tried okay. after the, the rape. So that's really scary for parents and for a lot of people in this country. You hear yeah. meth, and um, there's so much stigma there. Uh, yeah. So I did start with the meth again, and um, there was also just there's an incident at my school, and that was what happened, and that's where we get to the point of where I go into the the hands of TTI, where okay. um, I had had a an issue at school where I was caught high at school on benzos, which I hate benzos, and I've only taken twice in my life. And just bad yeah. things happen. So, and, um, so, in all of that, like, um, that's when my parents are really scared. I think they were already really fed up with me and didn't know what to do. Um, mm -hmm. everyone, it has so much stress points. That's, that's why I'm telling the story and even telling the background. Cause I want to emphasize here that the troubled teen industry can smell this kind of desperation, stress, and trauma. And oh yeah. Exploits it. Oh yeah, big time, big time. This is their case. Exactly. Yeah. We we are exactly the target. A, a middle class family. It was before 2008, so there's a little bit more yeah. money or ability to get credit. At perfect time, 2006. It. We were the target, and it, it's hurtful that I feel that all of us were were duped. Um, and taken advantage of. So my parents Absolutely. have. Yeah. So my my parents. Um, it, it was mostly there. Some it was my dad who I guess found. I don't know. I really don't know exactly how he found Redcliffe. Um, I believe that it happened quickly because of the heightened anxiety because of what had happened at school um right so that's where we get to the point where i i had no idea though as when i was 17 that um i was not expecting to be in an out-of-home placement i had not done therapy locally yeah. um that was not it's it's just nothing else had been explored. I had gotten to the disciplinary school. I got sent to that for the incident at my regular public school, but I had only been there for like three days, <clears throat> and it wasn't really any kind of. It was just the alternative school that the kids that get caught breaking rules go to. So it wasn't <clears throat> right, right. any kind of therapeutic thing. Right. Um, so I just wasn't expecting. I mean, I really. I was just kind of living my own life as a teenager, and I, I kind of felt like everyone was um, acting really kind of like me as a teenager. <laughs> so sure. anyway, so um, my, I, th this is the moment where um, I do want to talk about the kidnapping, too. I don't know if you have anything you say about that when you ask people. Would you talk about the kidnapping thing? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's really important. I mean, generally, this is this is sort of the part that, you know, interests me. Um, 
these men are sort of, you know, paid by these programs to come into your house and kidnap you. So please right. tell me. I, <laughs> it, it is very actually kind of fascinating to me, too, but in a morbid way for me, and it happened to me, so it was traumatic. Um, yeah. And it was, of course, nothing that I had known about uh prior even though brat camp was on tv and i had seen it before this happened right. i never would have thought something like that would happen to me or yeah, 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 yeah. kidnapping thing so it so um you know i i had no idea i had been doing my normal <clears throat> routine mm-hmm. and it's five in the morning and i i'm in my bed in my childhood bedroom and these uh, two kind of larger figures are standing in the doorway with the light behind them. And so it's like dark in my room and I see these silhouettes. And, yeah. you know, it's five, they do it on purpose at five in the morning so the child is confused and less able to fight. Of course, um, yeah. But that's yeah. traumatic. That's, you know, you're really, that's an ambush like no other kind of ambush. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like your parents are supposed to keep you safe from stuff like that. So, 100%. Yeah. Um, but you feel like you deserve it um, when you're in a situation like I was in. So it, sure. it, it was two, two big types of kind of cop type of people, which um, I really – uh, triggered or afraid of um, police and military types, which is sure. hard for me to admit here, which I guess, you know, publicly, but um, because of a bad experience. So that right. was scary. But in situations like this, um, I just get kind of <clears throat> numb or everything um, starts like being super crisp and clear. I don't have fear. Yeah. I just, um, in, in my survival state, my only instinct is to either fight or run or freeze, like, like yeah. you say. Yeah. And so I did think for a second, can I fight this? And there's no way I could fight it. You know, it's like a big guy, like this 40 year old guy that's probably, I don't know if he was armed now, but it, it, it has that feel that maybe they're right. armed. And they pull you out of bed, and, um, you know, luckily I'm wearing pajamas. Like, I think a lot of kids are in their birthday suit, but um, yeah. I <laughs> I was. I nice. remember I oh. was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they just kind of pull you out of bed and tell you that you got to get up and you have a flight to catch. <clears throat> and... I don't remember them telling me what state I was going to. They said, I think they told me the name of the city that we were going to be having a connecting flight in. They said we had a flight to Reno. Um, yeah. That we had to hurry. I was, I asked what's going on, and they said that I was going to a youth center. Um, I figured when they said that, that this was connected to the incident at school. So I did at least have some kind of like, okay, I guess I'm getting sent to some rehab or 
something right. like that, like whatever 17-year-old thinks that rehab is kind of thing. A youth yeah. center. That's what, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to a youth center. Uh, what I imagined was a building <laughs> when they say a youth center, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> And they tell you, I say, well, let me pack my bags, and they say you don't need anything where you're going, so already yeah. starting to set the tone. Um, okay, so, and I even, they said, but you have to grab your glasses because you'll need that in the field, which, again, I was like, okay, it sounded like science class to me or something, but, and I told them I don't wear my glasses (laughs) because I thought they were ugly and I was a teenager and I wanted to be cool. So, (laughs) um, but I, I grabbed, no, I actually didn't grab them. I refused to grab them. My parents mailed them to me later. So, um, and that there's a reason why I'm mentioning that detail too, but we'll move on to the, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we go on the flight. It was uneventful. I didn't fight at all. And that's another hard thing for me to process, um, that I don't feel like I always told myself, well, this is practical. This is what your parents had to do because teenagers wouldn't just go on their own, you know, right. um, trying to explain it to yourself. But I I don't feel that I, – I obviously would not have wanted to go to this, and, and I do understand my parents were scared trying to keep me from getting in trouble with the law. Um, sure. At the point we were at, I even feel like an out-of-home placement might have been um, the correct thing to do just because of the situation okay. with the remarriages. But it should have – I. I don't want to say should have. I wish that I could have had um, been given the respect to have a say in that process. And given the understanding that I'm not this bad kid, that not, you know, assumed that I'm this bad kid. That's what it makes you feel like. So um, it, it was uneventful. They, it was, it was odd too that they, bought me a pack of cigarettes my last smoke so that again is setting the tone fuck (laughs) like okay well i'm 17 and that's not really legal but then um it was a pack of marlboro reds and let me choose and you know i got me fast food or something and told me it was my last meal because once you you had to drive out out to this site because I, I believe where we flew, we flew into Reno and then Las Vegas. And the whole time I'm looking for like opportunities to just run. Like I'm not really mm. scared, but I'm thinking you need to take your chance now. And there was one opportunity in Reno and I've thought about it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Should have just tried, man. I had like right. 40 bucks on me still. But that creates such a safety situation for a 17-year-old in a place they've never been with 40 bucks on them. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a daunting thing. It. It's a daunting thing to run away, too. It's it's a daunting thing, you know. It's <laughs> inevitably, you're going to get abused. It's it's just going to right. happen. That's that's going to happen. It's it's part of it, you know. It seems so. Yeah, anyway. but you, any way you go, right? You're running into right. that. 
Right. No, it's true. I mean, you can't escape it. You're going to abuse either way. You're a teen and you, you're making either a choice to choose the abuse or, you know, you're going to another place where, you know, you're not going to really have any say in the abuse at all. Anyway, keep going. So you get to this site. Completely agree. Oh. So, yeah. You get, so to, you get to Las Vegas. Yeah. We we get to Vegas, and that's when you got to take your car drive out to this rural location because these places aren't just in cities. Um, so I still wasn't figuring out what's going on, though. I think I didn't – I'm from a city. I grew up in a metroplex in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, so I had no concept of rural life, which I now live a sure. rural life. Um, yeah. So I get it now, but, you know, I thought we're going to some building, but, think, you know, civilization is dropping off. I think we passed under, um, or passed under, we passed over the border of Nevada and Utah and get into southern Utah. Okay. And we drive up to this, like, it was like a double wide, from what I remember. It was very small building, so that was weird. <laughs> Because I thought yeah. I was going to a center, and this is a double wide in the middle of the desert. Right. Okay. <laughs> so um, that's when my um, transporters—I believe they call themselves escorts—dropped uh, yeah. me off and said goodbye. And uh, definitely not your first day of kindergarten. <laughs> It's almost like, you know, it's like your parents should have said goodbye to you, I guess. But anyway, anyway, my parents said bye to me while the transporters were taking me out. But anyway. While you're being kidnapped. Yes. Okay, cool. Courtesy. (laughs) Well, yeah, because some kids don't. Some kids' parents are present, and they think they're just being kidnapped for the sex trade, but, you know. No, I, I, my parents were not uh, at the location that I was kidnapped from. So, yeah, I... Oh, I didn't get that. I'm so sorry. But anyway, no, don't worry about it. That's okay. No, this isn't about me. This is about you. Please keep going. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that, too. So um, let's see. So, and I do, I wanted to explain this whole intake process so people really get an understanding of what it's like for this child's experience. Um, still, it's all just, unclear to me what's going on and my fear senses weren't up I was just numb we get into this little office and uh, they show me a list of rules I didn't like a few of the rules I'm already starting to see like okay which ones can I break right (laughs) but uh, I had no idea what I was in for and then some of the rules were feeling really weird to me Uh, I believe you know one is that you have to ask permission to do anything um, and and for wilderness, that is a safety, a real legitimate safety thing where you can't let a kid walk off into this nothingness, which I believe yeah. some programs are better at monitoring children and where they are um, in the desert than others. Um, sure. Redcliffe, I believe, actually did try and make sure that no one wandered off. So Okay. We had to ask permission to do anything. Um, but then there's also, like, I, again, here I'm still justifying to myself, and there are legitimate reasons for these rules, but then it's also is I don't know if that is completely le- – I mean, we had to 
ask permission to go to the bathroom and yeah. all kinds of it's just if it is if it's completely necessary to do this like think about what you're doing that how demoralizing it is to have to ask permission to go to the bathroom and kind of disabling i mean particularly for long term if you're in this long term and you're having to ask permission for everything this is incredibly like it's almost like child debilitating you know it, it's making you regret exactly i didn't feel it was i was 17 and a half years old that's another point that i'll mention that my right. was done without my consent and i knew that my parents did this because this was their last chance in the timing so yeah. i feel now that i got kind of lucky because the, the younger kids um are so affected in their education i at least was basically done with high school yeah because um, i was i i was always ahead in school so i was right. I really only needed a few credits um but anyway so my consent was not needed um but as we were saying you know i'm 17 and a half years old it really is the developmental time to start learning to be independent not regressing yeah. like you said um and we missed out on a really important developmental time um you and i and yeah. everyone else who's been in this teen industry um, and it's not a normal situation where you learn life skills or where you learn healthy relationships with your peers no it's, not. Um, it, it's an institution it's it's a prison like situation with the social situation yeah um, so <coughs> at the point where I'm I'm reading these rules yeah uh, you know, they, they there were a few others that put me off, but I can't recall any of the others now except for the ask permission to do stuff. Oh, and one, actually, another one was you won't ask where you're going or what time it is ever. Or basically, I think it was just you won't ask any questions now that if I well, remember correctly. But what that mostly applied to is we were never allowed to ask, like, where we were hiking to, what time it was. Um, which at this, I haven't even thought about that detail in so long, but at this point in time, like I, at the time I justified it to myself that they didn't want annoying questions from kids. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Right. But now I have to wonder how healthy that is. I think it's incredibly unhealthy, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so they I signed the rules agreeing to them because what other choice do you have? <clears throat> right. I now they walk me over to there's a um computer desk in one corner and a small bathroom room in the other corner and I remember seeing on the computer a picture of a dog and it said something like if you try to run he'll find you type thing. So oh. intimidating. And that's what I saw right before um, they strip search you, which is also, again, you justify that, oh, this is rehab. You know, I I thought I was at rehab because of the context of the situation. I was not at legitimate substance abuse treatment, and I know that now. I'm very confident in saying that now. But at the time, that's I what I thought I was at. So you think, okay, well, we're sure. making sure that we're not sneaking drugs in. 
Um, yeah. But it's still, like, not cool, you know? You're still, especially with my background and what I've shared already on this. Um, of course, about yeah. my trauma that it's just another situation where I have no choice. And But revealing that and, you know, doing the whole squad or all of that. Um, yeah. And now I question, like, who was that that was there monitoring this? Most of the employees are just, like, college students, you know, in between yeah. 20, 30 they're not, years old. They're not, they are not treatment, they, they have no, they have no sort of authority to be doing that to you. You know, no one has any type of sort of certification that to be asking you to strip search, squat, and cough, you know. I'm pretty I really certain of that. Like, I I agree. I would have, I would like someone to be like a police officer or something if they really have right. to do that. Like someone who had an intense background in, in um, investigation before they become hired, um, yeah. like police do. And I don't yeah. think that that's what happened. I don't have trust there that that was the case. I don't remember specifically the person who was in that office. I don't think I ever encountered them again. It was a female. Um, right. I don't remember if there's any men like in the rest of the office or, but so that's what they do. And then I think they dress you up in the the outfit when after your strip search. I'm pretty sure they put you in the clothes. So it's just like a white t-shirt and khakis that you wear for the rest of the time. And then they blindfold you. Okay. That's the next part. Um, they blindfold you. So. That, again, they justify, <laughs> their theme here, um, as, you know, we don't want you to know where you are so you won't run away. Right. But we were but already it, so remote that that was not credible. Yeah, that's not really an option. That doesn't seem logical at all to me. Plus, I had no idea where I really was anyway. It was an out-of-state placement that I wasn't told what was going on at all. Like, I had no... You're already blindfolded and disorientated, (laughs) and then you're blindfolded again. I know. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, So I don't see a legitimate reason for that now. We They get you in the back of this SUV and blindfold you. So... um, and then we start, and I still, I still think we're going to a building, which mm. is crazy. That um, I really didn't have any thoughts in my head of like, why are they doing this? It's that I was just completely numb and just complying, like for my safety. Sure, sure. Uh, that's what you do when you have no other options to keep yourself safe. So. Yeah. Uh, they, <clears throat> we, it was quite a long drive. I, they don't tell you the time, but I was quite sure it was at least an hour. Mm. Then you get out of the car and you remove the blindfold and you see this primitive campsite, um, mm. which I'm from a city, so I'd never been to a campsite or a situation like this. Uh, and the first thing I saw when I removed the blindfold was a girl in a red jumpsuit. And I asked why she was in the jumpsuit because everyone else was wearing the white t-shirts and khakis. And someone told me that, uh, she tried to run a couple days ago and that's what they do to runners. 
Right. Make you bright and colorful and different from everyone else. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a shaming embarrassment type thing. Sure. And also, and again, you justify that for safety, they need to be easily spotted, which that may be yeah. true in some ways. It's just that any institution does these types of things so the institution runs smoothly. Um, yeah. But it, it's really hard on your your soul. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you don't consent to it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Agree. So, yeah. It's very psychologically damaging. It's very psychologically damaging for a teen. You know, particularly and you don't if even you... Know. Go ahead, sorry. Well, no, you're right. It's, it's so damaging and you, you don't know how bad it is, You're you know, until so much later when it manifests. Yeah. Or I, or I did know, but I told myself all these things to, to protect my image of my world around me, you know? Sure. <sighs> sure. But I did always know, I did always know that this was a, like a profit type thing and that I wasn't being treated the way I should have been treated, but I didn't know how, um, bad it actually was. So you get to this camp, and you're probably told to make a pack or something, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, you get to the campsite, and it's a big take you to some kind of beginner campsite uh, initially. So where you, the first thing they did was teach me where the latrine was, the hole that you go to the bathroom in, and then right. they taught me um, how to get my bow drill set that was the first thing I did which that was kind of scary too at Red Cliff you there's a phase system where you have to make it through eight phases before you graduate and that was one of my first questions is when do I leave okay yeah well that's up to you that was always Mm -hmm. the response to that question well that's up to you and your therapist um right and you have to make it through these phases to be able to graduate and you have to achieve um, two bow drill fires per each phase to move up to the next one. Okay. Does that you mean you have to make a fire? You have to make two fires to move up to each next phase. Okay. But with sticks. It's, if the bow drill method is where you use a root as a fireboard that you place on the ground and then you have a bow in your hand, and uh, there's a spindle that you um, use the bow to spin onto your root that's laying on the ground, and it creates a spark, which you then blow into a flame. And that's actually okay. a positive thing for me. It was like it was a good experience to learn how to do that. It's just that sure. it's very daunting when you just get dropped, like dumped in this campsite, and they tell you, well, you have to make 16 of these fires before you get out of here, girl. <laughs> And I'm watching Jesus. another kid struggle to do it, just struggle. Yeah. Like, everyone gets it after a while. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is going on? You know, it's just, it's not anything that I would have imagined. So, yeah. It, and it, <laughs> it's but, not like you're at a, it's not like you're at a place and they're, they're like, okay, well, come on out. We're going to show you how to do this. And then they show you how to do it. And you get it. And that's cool. And that's because you got it. And that's cool. It's not, it's not like that. This is like a pressure thing too, you know, because yeah. everyone else is, is counting on you to make 
this fire as well. And I, I seem to sort of like feel that from what I know about wilderness therapy is that it's very sort of related where everyone sort of has to work as one in the group. And if everyone's not working as one, everyone has to stop as well and deal with that one person not working. You That's know, absolutely and, well, true. And so it's sort yeah. of this sort of painful thing where everyone has to be on the same mindset for it to all work well. And no one's going to be that way. So every day you're going to have one person who's not doing as well as everyone else. That's going to be yeah. the case. You know, That's it's just it not. In, yeah. Yeah. Well, that created some mistreatment towards me that I did want to mention, too, um, since you brought yeah. it up that they, they, and I'll, because I can get, that's basically the basics of that primitive camp. They teach you these basics, and then you move on to the um, hiking. So it's only three yeah. weeks in this beginner camp, and then at Redcliffe is a very intense physical program. From what I've heard of other people's um, wilderness experiences, like Redcliffe does on average a lot of hiking in comparison. Wow. To the other, so you get to that, and that's basically what you do when you're there. You you hike every day. You make a camp. You clean it up. How long are you hiking day. per day? How long are you hiking? Um, you really you don't have any say in it, and it was anywhere between uh, the lowest would probably be three miles, and you're you have really heavy packs. Um, right. Especially at the beginning of the week after a food drop, but then. The longest we actually did was actually 26 miles in a, it was like maybe a 26 hour period, but we had to hike 26 miles because of a miscalculation, um, which the staff wow. member was actually apologetic to us about, but that was the longest, but there were some other 20 milers in my day there that was done on purpose. Right. Um, so. Yeah, and so that gets me to the point of how they put me in this group with um, seven boys and only one other girl, and um, that wasn't a good experience for me because I was already used to being bullied at home, and that's how it is with teenage girls and boys and stuff, but um, I was much physically weaker than them. We had a, a wagon situation in the beginning where we had to put all our packs um, on the wagon and share like it was like a team building thing which but that made them hate me because I was physically weaker and not right. giving up but it was good for me because I didn't have to use my crappy uh, pack they make you your pack is not a real pack it's a tarp um, that okay. you tie up with a uh, cord and then the straps are um, old seatbelt straps that you thread through the, some cord so you have to Whoa. learn how to how to do a pack with a tarp really well, and you get really good at it because they yeah. have this other rule where they don't replace gear that you lose, so you better get good at it, and it will hurt real bad if you don't make that thing straight and tight. Right, um, right. You learn. So, but it was good for me, I guess, in the beginning that we had to put all our packs on the wheels, so all my beginner packs that looked all crappy and sideways were on this wagon but the boys hated me and some of them kind of harassed me and it wasn't a good experience with some some of the staff um I related to and were those free thinker type like stoner types that were just outdoor types 
Yeah. Some of the staff I didn't get along with. And in the beginning, there was uh, one staff that just really seemed to favor the boys. And it was a very bad experience with her. Um, right. Being new. And it just really compounded this kind of like fraternity situation that was going on with this group. Um, right. So... And then, you know, you move through. You, as Once you become not a new kid anymore, you're able to keep up better. But then you do see the new kid struggle. Um, there's yeah. also a, a medical neglect issue, I feel. Um, it's just my opinion. But, there, you know, all of us got sick to our stomachs and stuff. But there was one girl who got really sick. It was the only other girl in my group. And we just have to stop all the time for her to, like, get sick and then keep hiking and uh, it just it doesn't that's, feel good to you either watching that no that's not okay it reminds right. me of Aaron Bacon it reminds me of Aaron Bacon have you seen that film no I haven't so Aaron Bacon was a young man who died in wilderness therapy but oh. he complained and complained on hike that he was having stomach pain and they kept telling him that he was, uh, you know, um, what's it called? Attention-seeking and not, you know, not being real, and he died. Exactly. That, And that's what they say, that, oh, you're young, you're just trying to manipulate, you know, or yeah. you'll get through this, yeah. or... And we're, it's remote and rural, too, so the, the emergency response is not like in a city where these parents are probably used to a quick emergency response is what I, you know, I didn't know the situation of emergency response in a rural area. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, maybe they had some kind of, like, life flight situation. I really don't know what they do in emergency. That would emergency, still take time. It would still take time, and... You know, are your parents being told that you have someone who's medically trained on staff all the time? You oh. know, and is that the sort of, is that the head game that's being played at home while this is all going on there? You know, you're not safe out there. It's not. It's not. And I even, I have a, a kind of weird medical condition, too, that I, when I was a teenager, I didn't think about it, but... Like, now yeah. it's so scary to think back that I was in such a um, neglectful situation where they wouldn't have responded to my needs. Because I did make many other complaints about things that weren't heard. Um, sure. They also, they limit communication or stop communication between you and your parent. That's another thing right. that I had to highlight here that, um, especially in the beginning of writing these letters, and you think they're being yeah. sent to your parents, but they're not. Um my therapist also kind of got at me, I feel, aggressively when she first met me and said something like, I can tell you've been raped. She forced me to write a disclosure letter and that I believed was sent to my parents, and I've only just learned in the past year that apparently it was not sent. And what my parents believed was they hurt they didn't know they still i believed for 12 years that they knew about my trauma and still the way that they you know it's very um yeah it's just a, a mind trip it really is that i was that's misled extremely by that. deceptive yeah that's extremely deceptive um, and you shouldn't be forced to write out your your trauma no. in that way either that's fucking disgusting 
you, you shouldn't, and that I really need to highlight that these programs need to be more trauma-informed. That's the model that I feel works for me. It's called the trauma-informed care model. It, of course, I guess doesn't work for people that have that don't have trauma, but it, everyone, almost all the students who go to this program have been kidnapped. A responsible right, that's program trauma. is yeah. going to be trauma-informed and allow the child the space to process that kidnapping. I wrote about right. the kidnapping in my letters. No one saw the letters. My therapist didn't let me process it with her. And they make it right. seem like you deserve that. You're the only person who got yourself here that you you accept that. It's Yeah, um, yeah. And then combined with my drug history, which I now understand was, I mean, people are very scared of these substances, but I was not like a heavy user here. I had used this scary drug a handful of times and I was a stoner. <laughs> I know? feel like, I feel like that's very common with a lot of us though. I feel like, like I was forced to say I was a drug addict almost every day right. there. Exactly. And yet, I probably used a handful of times when I was able to, and in those situations, it was self-medication, you know? Like, it's it's very different when you're a teen, too. You're experimental. That's kind of what you do. Everyone else is doing it, too. Yeah. You know, some of yeah, them are better at... Some of them are better at getting away with it, you know, and some of them are more controlled with it. I just wasn't, you know. I'm sure that, you know, at, at times you felt that you weren't too. But, I mean, like, we didn't have access to these things. We weren't able to use them regularly enough to be addicts, you know. No. I was so uneducated on drugs at the time too, which is, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that I used meth and didn't even know what it was. I honestly didn't. Um, but I didn't, luckily I didn't develop any, I didn't, um, I don't like the types of drugs that create really bad withdrawals and stuff, and it just wasn't sure. a pattern of use, um, <clears throat> that had, it was just starting, and it really was appropriate to stop that, to address it, to work through yeah. it, but to shame it, um, the way that it was addressed in my situation was very inappropriate, and the, a legitimate substance abuse treatment would have been appropriate, I feel. Um, yeah. But I don't know that, you know, I would have had to agree to that voluntarily for that to be legitimate as well. Sure. Which I do feel at the time I might have because yeah. I was kind of in a bad situation at home. But I, you can say what would have happened. I don't know. So, anyway, where were we on the um, – So, can oh, I just ask you a question quickly? Yeah. So, when you're at a camp – out in the wilderness, and your therapist comes, do you yeah. do therapy at the camp? Yeah, that's a good question. So for programs that say they're therapeutic, you don't have a lot of one-on-one um, -on -one time with a therapist. Um, the staff that hike you around um, are not therapists. They're usually just, like, wilderness-type people who like outdoors. The, yeah. And they are the people who spend the bulk of the time with you. The therapist visit, uh, was once weekly and you'd have maybe like an hour session, um, with your therapist. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all it was because we weren't, we didn't have any other forms of communication. I mean, I don't think a cell phone would have even worked out there. Yeah. Um, 
so she came about yeah once a week for an hour and did you did you kind of feel like did you kind of feel like that this was like your only person to kind of communicate your way to get out like in this hour and that you're like your only advocate almost in a way and that you only got an hour like per week to be with this person like when all this hellacious shit was going on yeah well and they make it sound like the therapist is you know they hold the keys to your freedom basically is yeah how they put yeah it. yeah, say, even yeah. If you get through the phases your therapist will decide if you leave or not right which was right. true and at the time right. i did wonder whether the therapist had some kind of incentive here like are they just keeping kids for longer because money their parents are willing to pay for it or well also and, you're like you're you're cut off from any of that discussion anyway and it's like this yeah. once a week thing where you get to ask a question and then that's cut off pretty much anyway you know or gaslit in some way you know it's like there it's so weird that. yeah the kind of um what i now believe to be emotional abuse yeah tactics done on me which you and i really thought it was therapy you know because i thought i was doing rehab um yeah and if it had You're, just been wilderness it, i would I, there was a lot of positive in it some of it was actually sure. good for me sure so um, but the ther- that betrayal on the therapist has been really hard to deal with so how do you get out of this place and end up at this place red cliff and what is Red Cliff? Well, Red Cliff's a wilderness um, program, and then they have a sister boarding school. I believe it's owned by the same people. I'm not entirely sure how they're connected, but they're connected so, somehow. So you're at, you're at Red Cliff at, at this point in the story, then? I'm still at Red Cliff, but, I mean, that's a lot of what I wanted to say at Red Cliff. I wanted to say, you know, I was very desperate to leave. Um, yeah. But I, it, yeah, it would have been positive if my safety complaints would have been heard, if a harassment from the boys would have been addressed more, if it was more trauma-informed. And if it had just ended at wilderness and I had come back to a stable situation at home, that could have been really positive for me. Um, but there was for no, sure. like, family therapy, in my opinion. Um, it's all about the child and them being the problem. You really feel that you're the problem child. And also due yeah. to the timing, my, um, I, due to the timing of my placement, um, I did feel like I was, like, being, like, got rid of, like, gotten out of the way, sure. basically. Um, so anyway, they, um, that's why we get to the, the therapeutic boarding school called so hold on one second one second though before we do that how many of the kids who were at Redcliffe are going on to discovery that's another good point several of the fellow students from Redcliffe actually attended discovery academy at the same time as me after it was a very common thing where the parents of children placed in Redcliffe were encouraged to place them at Discovery Academy after their Redcliffe graduation. Okay. Um, which wasn't something I was aware of when I first um, came to Redcliffe, but when you get closer to graduation, they start like talking it up. It's really, they start right. talking about the food 
how it'll be so yeah. good when you get out of wilderness and don't have to eat wilderness food and how good the food is at Discovery Academy. Um, how like your other friends from wilderness are there type stuff, which, um, unfortunately my transition to Discovery Academy was handled very poorly because uh, I had an incident with another student where, uh, like, a uh, it wasn't, I, um, had like kind of a relationship with another student, like, uh, with a boy that, um, when I started at Discovery Academy, he was already there. So I kind of started at Discovery Academy with a reputation, basically, because one of the staff members from Redcliffe, that same problem staff member, um, had like a picture of me that was a group photo and she showed it to all the other girls at Discovery Academy um, and then some of the boys already knew me so it was like the worst thing you can imagine for a 17 year old girl who was already bullied already had this trauma to then start like with this reputation basically at this boarding school where it's a lockdown facility right um so they it's this thing and you have to wonder um with this thing where they really encourage going from wilderness placement to boarding school placement if wilderness, like, is supposed to work, then why do you have to go to the boarding school, too, number mm. one? Number two, yeah. um, I didn't feel that it was handled, like, in a way – I actually agreed to it because I didn't feel like there was a good place for me to go back home to, basically. The home situation was not good. Um, sure. And at the time, so I – and I I didn't know what I was getting into, um, I was feeling positive at the end of wilderness and I didn't understand the, the emotional abuse that was going on at the time. So, yeah. um, I, I agreed to it and, but I had believed that, I don't know, I just thought that my parents would like, I guess, spend more time with me before they, they took me like straight from the wilderness to the boarding school and right. we stopped at Walmart to get my nails done and then um might have had like lunch somewhere so it just I didn't understand that it was this like one to the other thing like yeah. I was feeling kind of good about myself because they do at least say like you graduated this program and um it's very jarring to go from this wilderness situation with <laughs> hiking um probably I would say average seven to eight miles a day like it was definitely right. normal to hike 15 miles a day with 60-pound right. packs um, right. to go to Jeez. this lockdown facility. Yeah, that's su- that's such a different, like, environment change all of a sudden. That's it crazy. Is. Such it's a head, only... head bug. It is. Um, just as a even a visual experience. But yeah. the rules are kind of similar, so that's something that, like, you still have to ask permission to do everything. But now you're in this locked in situation with other kids who are also going through really hard things yeah yeah so they just i just remember like i don't remember my parent my dad and his wife even going into the school when they dropped me off so i don't know if they went there before or i don't know but um right we they dropped me off and um you know, I, I was so happy to have a shower because at Redcliffe, you don't shower the entire time. Well, they shower you before you graduate, so you look clean for your parents. 
But right. uh, you don't shower the whole time. It's disgusting. They don't. They only give you one pair of underwear a week. I did want to mention that because it's disgusting and neglectful. Yeah, that's um, awful. Disgusting. So, and you, you're not showering, and the boys also smell gross. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but also, I mean, you, you're you're a female. You have menstrual cycles too. I mean, you, you're dealing yeah. with everything like that too. You know, that I mean, fuck. Oh, they handled that horrible, too. They made you burn your female, like, products on the fire in front of all the boys. It was so embarrassing. I felt so. Oh. It was gross. So, um, but it's either that or, I guess, carry it. So. Um, right. Right. Um, so, it was nice to go to boarding school and have a shower and have, um, like, I guess what I would, I wouldn't call it normal food now because it's not the kind of food that I would like to eat now. Sure. But, um food like food that's not rice and beans <laughs> right right because you know, that's all you eat at wilderness because that's all it's right. practical um so you know at first you're feeling good about everything but you quickly i'm quickly in the situation where i was socially um already kind of not in a good place and then all yep. these girls are thrown together that have all these issues it, it was hard for me that like the eating disorder and the mental serious mental problems and uh yes. aggression and yeah. it was crazy that like it's it just putting everyone together in this where a lot of these um, fellow students, I still, I think, good things about. I think they've probably gone on to have successful lives. Um, yeah. It was just a mix, like, wow, we've all been thrown into this. Um, there was one girl who I think just, like, was, she was just young, and it, she was 13, and the most of the other girls were 17. Um, yeah. So that, or 12, I think, even. To have to go Jesus. through puberty in that place, I felt so bad for her. Um Awful. There's no guidance at all. Was there a level system there at Discovery? Yeah. Or a phase system? Yeah. Right, okay. And that's another kind of, that's a normal institutional type thing, right? Like, um, sure, yeah. Jails and stuff do stuff like that. So yeah. there was, and that's familiar from wilderness. So uh, yeah. there was a phase system, but it, it was more arbitrary, I think, than um, wilderness, where there was a kind of a, like two fires per each phase thing. I was moved through the phases extremely quickly at um, DA, and there was no rhyme or reason to it for me. Uh, it wasn't explained yeah. to me why. So I always believed it was so that I would feel like I had more privileges and choose to stay when I turned 18. Um, okay. Because you can't, they can't hold you anymore without your consent. And by the right. time I, I arrived at Discovery Academy um, on August 1st, my birthday's in December, so not mm. too much longer right. um, until I could free myself. And of course, I was planning. There's no way in heck that I was gonna, <laughs> that I was planning on staying. But I'll, since we've made it to this point um, about the leave when you're 18 thing, it's it's, um, it's really scary what they do when you turn 18. Um, in wilderness, I'm not sure how they handle it if you're out on site. But when you're at the boarding school, they because uh, my my friend who I met there did turn 18 um, yeah. while I was still there, and so I saw what happened. Uh, they don't allow you to have a jacket or go back upstairs to get any of your property, which you hardly have any 
anything either. Right. You just have this these stupid like you wore a different color T shirt every day of the week and the khakis. Um, which right. makes you feel really abnormal and not like other peers that are real right. in the outside world. But anyway, so they don't. And it doesn't allow you identity. Yeah. Well, yeah. It doesn't. Okay. Well, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Breaks your identity yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. Okay, go for it. So they allow you to go upstairs, get your little t-shirts no. and things. Yeah. No, they don't even let you go upstairs oh. to get the t-shirts. That's what I'm saying. They don't even let you get a jacket. Um, what? They don't give you a phone call. They just say, okay, you don't want to sign yourself in, get out. Um, so my friend did try and leave, but she wasn't able to, like, I guess, um, and I don't want to tell too much of her story, but she had to come back and... Um, Right. What? How that related to me is that, um, you know, so she was very dejected, I'm sure, having to sign herself in like that just for what do you do? Your only other choice is to hitchhike or prostitute or get yeah. kidnapped again. Yeah. Um, you're in a state you've never lived in. You don't have anything. So when you're 18 yeah. years old, freshly, <laughs> like what a crazy that everyone knows what happens to this kids that get so picked fun. out like that on their 18th birthday and it's just this you were just done to that by your parents and the institution so anyway she had she signed so herself fun. back in for safety and another weird thing was that they um wouldn't let me talk to her after that they had these things called standing orders where it could be something like you're you're forced to have a standing order where a staff watches you eat your whole plate or it could be a standing okay. order where you um, aren't allowed to talk to another student or look at them or contact them in any way. Um, so they right. put me and her and our other friend on this standing order, and I really hadn't done anything. And she, and it was I don't I don't know if they called it therapeutic or so she could. I they didn't tell us. They just said we're we're on standing order. And um, I still believe that it was because they didn't want me to know what would happen when I turned 18 or it was somehow related to um, breaking her down and me down because we were both 18. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. They, they also wouldn't want you to get a picture of what's on the outside, you know, the second you leave, you know, I, to figure out where yeah. to go, you know, or what to do. Well, yeah. Well, and they did kind of drive us around Provo. You know, they took right. us to the gym. Um, where where in Provo was this? Oh, um, it God, it was like right downtown. That wow. church that they have was only blocks away. The downtown area was only a couple blocks. I couldn't tell you which direction it was, but it was not far away right. at all. So. Where I was was near the opening that goes up to Sundance, that canyon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know where that is. I was at the bottom, yeah. Yeah, I was was quite far away from that because I was right down. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was pretty, too. That was was part of the positive of the experience, that it was really beautiful in Provo. The mountains are really pretty. Yeah, it's beautiful. But those, um, those people are extremely strange. It, yeah, that and the the staff at the boarding school were a lot weirder than the wilderness staff who I could connect with and were comforting of to me because they were people like me that were 
hippie types, but um, yeah, these were all Mormons then working yeah, there at that. Yeah. Right, right, right. And you just feel so judged because, um, like, you're like a bad kid that does drugs to them, and they're not. Yeah. Some of them were 19 years old, you know, and yeah. you're almost 18. Like they're your peers. They're not. Yeah. They have this weird mentality over you because they're like the prison guards in the prison guard experiment, you know? Right. They're probably right, not right. highly paid or anything like that. No, and, and they're, they're not highly so educated. Yeah, and they're, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's so weird. I mean, like, I feel like the amount of shit that they learned from all of us was ridiculous, you know? Like, yeah. just on a day-to-day level, the things that they must have heard coming out of our mouths must have been so shocking to them, you know? It would be. But, you know, that's not our fault. You know, we were prisoners there, and, you know, they were being paid in this. I always have to think about that, too, you know? Yeah. There's a level of responsibility that the staff took in all of this. So, anyway, keep going. What happened? How did you get out? Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that, too. Even the wilderness employees that, that I liked, I kind of feel like you didn't say anything. But right. that's, you know, I, people got to have a job, and I guess it could be a kind of okay job. I don't know. Not the boarding school. It, just, it wasn't a positive environment. Um, right. Things were not going well. My um, Another complaint I have is that there wasn't a continuity of care. I was forced to disclose my trauma, and then the trauma was not addressed whatsoever right. by the wilderness or the boarding school therapist. Um, the boarding school therapist right. also did this exposure thing where she got us all in a circle and exposed this other girl and said she's a liar and all this personal information about her, including her health information. So that really scared me um, that that would happen to me if I disclosed anything to her, which she knew, I, I believe she knew about my trauma from the other therapist, but I now question that there is even any kind of treatment plan or continuity of care at all. Yeah. Um, which I guess it's for the best because I definitely don't trust that lady. My boarding school therapist um the therapy just didn't relate to me either like my personality or they gave us these books that were these books like some like corporate like how to climb a corporate ladder type book and i'm like how out of touch are these people what (laughs) like that and that was my therapy assignment and i didn't read it like i read like two pages and i'm like what's this in like some dr (laughs) phil book for real a dr phil book was my like successful team oh, or whatever dear. was one of my well, that's, assignments. That's because Dr. Phil was sponsored by Discovery Academy and yeah. sent a few kids to Discovery. So, of course, he's in Discovery Academy as part of the program. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm bald. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're what up to. Douche. These are our lives, you know. It's like almost funny to think about, but this is this affected the rest of my life. Um, it's horrendous. It's horrendous for profit, or just I, I have to wonder: is it just profit? Is it some kind of sick like power thing? I don't know. Um, but there's right. a lot of actors involved in this, and it's very entrenched in this country. Yes, indeed. <sighs> So when did you get out of Discovery? How did you get out of Discovery? 
Right. If so you're, if um, you're done talking about it, I mean, it's up to you. Well, I think, no, I can kind of close on the note that one of the other things that was so weird is I really believe they put something in the food. And I know that okay. sounds crazy, but I believe we all gained so much weight so quickly. Okay, I got there on August 1st. I left in December. I had gained 45 pounds. I had gone from healthy and wilderness, yes, as a teenage girl. They put something in the food, in my opinion. <laughs> were the boys were the boys gaining weight or were they no, losing the weight? No, the boys were skinny. They were losing weight. Okay, so I've had this discussion before, and this is a common thing, and it was yeah. happening at my program too. It's a yeah. it's a debilitating thing for girls for girls to gain weight. That's extremely hard, particularly when they're about to exit. That's an yeah. extremely harsh thing for them. For for boys, it's extremely harsh to lose weight, particularly on exit, exactly. and it makes them feel weak. It's it's yeah. debilitating. It's purposeful, it and that's is. so fucked up. That it's so fucked up. Well, yeah, and you're in complete control. Like you can't leave. They're feeding you. Yeah. They're telling you when to sleep, when to go to the bathroom, when when you're yeah. doing quote unquote yeah. school, which I didn't touch on that so I'll touch on that that the school was a joke and the teachers what my teacher was she was about she was dying she had cancer and she would take pills right. and fall asleep and die or not die but she was going <laughs> to pass away soon coma fall asleep there she was in a coma and while we were doing our little workbooks that's all the school was and for a place that claims to catch children up on school I just find that obnoxious because yeah. um they also they held my credits hostage cuz my uh I believe a financial situation um so I never got a high school diploma but luckily I had all my math science english credits cuz I was always yeah. ahead in school from my public school days but I feel yeah. so bad for the kids that um were taken there at say 14 and their education just ruined um yeah yeah that's so life ruining, especially in this economy and society that we live in, and it's not fair. Um, the children no. were also drugged, in my opinion. I saw all the other kids going to get Seroquel and lines, and it didn't seem justified. But um, I uh, was. My parents have always been against stuff like that, so I wasn't drugged. But um, do you yeah, know the name so, of the doctor there? No, I couldn't tell you at all because I never saw him. Wow. So you were being given, were you being given medication there? No, because my parents didn't consent to that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but a lot of parents did, and it was really um, hard for me to look at the line of kids going to go get the Seroquel. Yeah. It was yeah. weird. Um, so I felt lucky on that, but and I had mentioned the... Um, the weight issue. So you can see how that this is all coming into play where, um, okay, so I'm done with high school completely. They had me taking um, distance learning at BYU, um, which involved yeah. me, like, reading passages of the Book of Mormon and stuff, which I thought was – I actually found it fascinating. But um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I'm not getting anything out of um, distance learning college at – this point. Yeah. and I'm, I've made it through all their phases and now I'm about to turn 18 years old. I'm in a powder keg with all these other girls that don't fit together really and are 
forced into a lockdown together and we're all gaining weight rapidly and I'm I'm literally looking at the stretch marks the red marks on my body like I need to get out of here now before it yeah. get bigger when you're yeah, a 17 yeah. year old girl yeah. this is this is not something you want to see <laughs> and it was um it's a nightmare so, and uh so my mom um was never in on this really she she wasn't involved in it is she was completely involved in the family situation but she wasn't and she didn't stop the the kidnapping or me from going to the school but it was more my dad that was the paying for it and kind of okay i chose it so because of this kind of thing where they weren't um in agreement together as parents and from what I know, um, possibly my mom didn't sign the custody papers when my dad did. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's, like, exactly what happened, but from my understanding, there's some kind of family law agreements that these programs use to either take guardianship or um, yeah. some kind of custody over the children to also right. um, protect themselves legally. Uh, yeah. So, from what I know, my mom didn't sign those. I, I guess so. She actually technically pulled me from the program, but it was only three days before my 18th birthday. So instead right. of having to go through this whole thing where I'm out in the cold in Utah with nothing, my mom yeah. did help me out, and um, they the program was forced to drive me to the airport, and I do kind of believe that that was because my mom did still have some kind of legal yeah. custody over me. And right. I was definitely happy to be getting out of there um, uh, because of the, the – you feel very unhealthy, too. Um, I was That was the heaviest I've ever been, and I've never – in that weight ever again um and so you're just not very healthy feeling and i've also sensed like my diet is just like i'm a very like vegetable type person as an adult like pre-adult and they don't serve you um healthy food especially for what your parents are paying for so um but what i did want to say about leaving um and because my parents weren't in agreement the School had convinced my dad that um, what I was told is that I needed to be there for a year or else I was going to be a meth addict for the rest of my life. Um, I don't know why they chose a year. Um, (laughs) That seemed arbitrary to me, and it didn't make sense to me again because I was graduated from high school. I'm supposed to be an adult now. I need to learn how to be independent and not be asking permission to use the bathroom. So, sure. um, but unfortunately, since my dad, I guess, was convinced by them that I needed to be there for at least a year, um, he was just not happy with me or I, I wasn't allowed back in my childhood home. Um, I really don't know all the motivations now, but I was not allowed back in my childhood home where I had been living before I was kidnapped. Um, right. And my mom had since remarried, but she was living in the same place where I grew up. So that put me in a very bad situation where now I'm um, now thrown into what was not a positive or healthy living situation for me, especially at the time. Um, 
which I do really appreciate my mom saving me from the situation. It's just that I was put thrown right back into what I was kidnapped from, which was a very dysfunctional yeah. and unstable situation for me. And there was no like trying to deal with that. Like I was, I was at these programs for seven months. Right. I don't know what they, you know, paid for, but I, so anyway, I was not allowed back into my childhood home and, um, unfortunately was not, um, I, I don't know why I want to protect, um, this detail, but I was not able to stay, um, with my mom. So, uh, I, became uh homeless and it, it was only it was like a month or two after I had left DA. Um Jesus Christ. Uh so you can imagine the safety situation there and it was just about as bad as anyone can imagine. Um Yeah. And I was so I was extremely depressed. If I was depressed before I went into these programs, I became that was the most depressed I'd ever been in my life was right after I was released from DA. I slept probably 17 hours a day for the first week that I was out. And yeah. your parents look at you and think like, oh, it's this problem kid again. She just wants to sleep all day. I remember you know? this. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I did what I was supposed to do. I went, I got a job somehow in a week after getting out. I, I enrolled into community college, but the situation was just so unstable and emotionally unhealthy that um, I didn't go back to drugs um, until I became homeless. Um, but then, unfortunately, an older um, man saw the situation that I was in, and um, there. that's really all I want to say on that. But right. I was exploited okay. the yeah. exact same way, the exact same tactics, you know, like, TBI yeah. will smell out your weaknesses, they'll find it, and they'll exploit it. And it's the exact same thing that any yeah. other predator out there will do. And unfortunately, yeah. I've been preyed on too many times in my life, and it happened too many times before I even became a free consenting adult. Yeah. Yeah, so. I agree. I feel the same way. So that was so what, my biggest sore spot on the TTI. I never, I didn't think about all the emotional abuse until recently, but I was always so upset with them for what happened after how I got thrown into this unstable situation and they convinced my dad not to, you know, they brainwashed him against me is how I feel. It, it's fucking horrendous. It's fucking horrendous that you as a teen would have to go through that. You're torn away yeah. from your environment. You're thrown into this crazy environment, which really is gobbledygook, you know, sort of like pseudoscience. And nothing is being fixed at home, meanwhile. In fact, yeah. it's, you know, it's getting worse and your relationships are getting worse. And then you're thrown out and, and forced back into a, a, a situation that isn't, it isn't doable. You know, I mean, you had absolutely no choice in this. Right, and they take a bad situation and just make your trauma and depression just ten times worse. I've never... So I, much I, worse. I, I have no trust. I don't trust anything at all. Yeah. And I, I yeah. never really understand how deeply, like, the, the troubled teen industry was part of that, but that's a big part of it. Uh, I yeah, I don't. I authority or anything. I I don't. Yeah, 
Same. Same. Yeah. <clears throat> you know. I mean, I think it's I think it's all a big sort of lie, and and I can't sort of you know. Anyway, so what do you think would have been a better option for you in closing? Right. Yeah, so like I said earlier, um, because the situation was so stressed, what what should have happened is prevention, healthy mm. families, um, or what I wish would have happened, you know, should have – it. When it got to the point when the placement was chosen when I was 17, it was so critical that an out-of-home placement was the only place I was going to be safe because of the choices that my parents had made in their lives, not my choices. So it was too unstable for me to be integrated into their new families that they had created, and it was not safe for me. So I would have just, I mean, for the money that was spent, college prep school and you have to think well any institution I can't trust now I can't trust therapists I can't trust any institution but just college too that's what saved my life was um, a friend of mine that even though you're so disconnected from your old peers and you feel so embarrassed I've never told this story to people you know I don't want people to know about this all the other kids in my public high school thought I was the bad kid but my um old friend from school, you know, encouraged me to go to university with her. And luckily, my dad actually did get behind that um, and helped me pay for it. And that just saved my life. Like, that, I went to the dorms. I didn't have to live in my unstable family situation. I loved real school. um, And I I did well. I definitely struggled in college. And I feel I was cheated out of my college experience, too, because I was just reeling from the trauma and the sure. trauma didn't end either. I've, I had abusive relationships um, in college that I feel I was yeah. again preyed upon because I was so trained to accept abuse. Um, sure. It was, it was violent and it was really bad. Um, but the college still saved my life. Um, and I, when I was 17, it's like, well, could I have just gone to college when I was 17? Part of me had always wished my parents to just hide my ass around the forest themselves. And you know that mm-hmm. that's not realistic in today's economy. They have to work. Okay. But you wish that that could have been what it was. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I feel you. I feel like I wish that my parents had gone through the program with me. You know, I feel like, I feel like at that moment, if a community could come together, figure out a way to cover my parents while they go off and get treated too, then that would really help, you know? Uh, But anyway, Natalie. Yeah. You are super awesome. Um, Are you living a good life now? Are you comfortable? Are you safe? Um, thanks for asking. You know, it's, uh, it's a really a struggle to function day to day. And I do have a lot of, uh, like anger and resentment over that, I guess, that I feel I was really cheated out of my potential. Um, but I also have a great life now. Um, I made so much for myself. So thanks to the freaking troubled teen industry. I got a degree. I moved to where I belong, which is not Texas. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
Um, I'm extremely supported in my career and my work environment. I love my coworkers. Um, I've been able to find, um, you know, I have a stable long-term relationship. Um, it's, I've definitely been having a rough time processing everything though. And it wasn't until two years ago that I started processing my trauma at all. Any of it, the whole five years, it was five years of hell. And, um, so now I, this, I never would have been able to say this, um, do this interview until now or this year, um, watching all the other women that have come forward, um, uh, watching the Larry Nassar case. I watched all of them give their statements, uh, Rachel Denhollander, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would even be talking about this stuff. But I yeah. think I have a great life, and I think we're in a great time. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much, and I think you're yeah. so brave. Yeah. And, um, Thanks for doing this. You're very, very welcome. Um, if you like this podcast, uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, this is Alexi. Uh, signing off.